1: Well, hey, ma'am. Hiya. Well, how up? are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, we've done one week in lockdown now, haven't we? Uh, it's actually mm-hmm. quickly. Um, I, been I think it's today? just the same. Well, mm-hmm. it doesn't really change my life all that much at the moment, other than yeah. I just I have to see people outside. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, what have I been up to? Uh, knitting, sure, of mm-hmm. course um not a whole lot to be honest (laughs) but yeah how about you what are you up to
0: I've just you know not much either (laughs) um just doing the usual like we're all in this like weird routine 2020 routine and I've just been doing what I normally do
1: um, I actually watched some um, Princess Diana documentaries last week with all the Ooh. fallout of, you know, like the Martin Bashir famous BBC yeah. interview.
0: Because The Crown season four is supposed to be exactly. out soon.
1: Exactly. Um, so, which features obviously the young Diana. So I watched some documentaries on her, and like uh, quite a terrible film that has um, Naomi Watts, I think, in it. Is that her name? I don't know. But yeah, I just kind of, I actually just feel really sorry really sorry for princess diana i think she just kind of Mm. had had just quite a sad life from what how they portrayed it obviously yeah yeah but i was also going to potentially talk about her in a fashion story but actually i'm going to talk about another member of the royal family um but yeah, she was just, she was very much like a style icon. I felt like she was the first sort of very like British, followed by the paps, mm. um, style icon, very different for royal fashion and has like actually completely changed the face of the royal family a little bit. Mm. She made it more humanised and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. You know what, now that you've said that, it's reminded me that I did spend like last week watching Pose. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. It's brilliant. It it's brilliant. Honestly, it's so good, like so for those of you who don't haven't watched it. It is on Netflix and it documents the kind of underground ballroom culture um during the late 80s and early 90s. And obviously it focuses on like a particular club and ballroom is basically where gay men and trans women would kind of put on these not shows but they would almost be like club nights and also they would have competitions and see who was like you have different categories and Mm. you could walk in these categories and almost like perform for the crowd and it just touches on a lot of what was happening in New York at that time and what it was like being trans women and trying to pass as a quote unquote real woman at that time and really interesting but it's got so much like comedy as well mm. um and the looks obviously like if you, you guys if you've seen RuPaul's drag race this is where drag culture originates from and having different categories and dressing up and trying to like embody a certain category or a specific theme and that's when you like see like real off-the-cuff creativity and making outfits at home and rustling up things together to put on a show. It's like real kind of creativity at its best. It's, it's Honestly, it's amazing. It's a good storyline as well. Yeah. Just watch it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll add it to my list of things to watch. Um, but anyway, what is your fashion story? <laughs>
0: So, my fashion story. You've probably seen this in various places already and if you follow Burberry, they have been posting new images of their like latest campaign sort of working collaboration with Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. And um so many people know but if you don't, Marcus Rashford he's 23 and plays for Manchester United. He's a footballer, young footballer and over you know 2020 and dealing with lockdown and such he has been a really big campaigner in providing free school meals for underprivileged kids kids Mm -hmm. who need it come from poor backgrounds and who really depend on school meals as one of their most important meals of the day and so when kids went into well you know, we went into lockdown first and then we had the school holidays, the summer school holidays. It was really campaigning for the government to provide like support for these kids. Like they still needed yeah. food, you know? Um, so that's kind of how he's been like in the public eye for a few months now. And Burberry and him are joining together, joining forces to provide support for like youth centers in the uk and us which is amazing incredible and he's like been donning some of the latest burberry wear in a new campaign
1: well burberry have got um some like quite a lot of like new street wear don't they like they've kind of you know they've got bomber jackets and all of that stuff and it's become a lot sort of like young friendly but also like really really cool Yeah, Uh, which is quite fitting. Burberry,
0: the reason why it came out of fashion so much years gone by was that it was too closely tied to youth culture, sports culture. Oh, yeah, like the culture, yeah, all of that. And there were a lot of Burberry fakes, and that was seen as at a time when
1: it was seen as really tacky when we were younger. It was so tacky, wasn't it?
0: But that's the thing because it's all about perception because before being linked to urban black culture or maybe sort of like chav culture and like being linked with those sorts of things in the fashion industry at the time was seen as like we're too good for that. You know, Mm -hmm. I can understand also there were a lot of fakes. There were a lot of Burberry fakes. And it's like when, when a brand, especially a luxury designer brand, like floods the market, that kind of over accessibility diminishes their like branding. So I can understand how that works, but I think what they're doing is doing this like 360 of like leaning into their British, very British form of streetwear culture Mm and i mean marcus rashford being young being a footballer yeah which is like the pinnacle of which is like where where sports. it went
1: downhill it's mm. like football job culture yeah was like you know all the football fans having a burberry scarf around their neck or yeah, yeah. an imitation of one or mm. whatever it was yeah
0: so i think they're leaning into it i mean great cause i think the branding is looking great i mean that reminds mm. me they um They've come out with this like really upbeat fashion film. Oh my god, it's it? incredible. The singing in the rain one.
1: It's so cool. Yeah. I like I don't know if it's like their Christmas advert or their Christmas campaign, <laughs> but it's so cool. It's so different for Burberry. Mm. Like this is coming from and don't get I like I really like Burberry and I'm really glad that it kind of got restored back to where it should have been of it's a really classy very british obviously it's not produced here anymore mm. but really british heritage label that mm-hmm. should be like seen as really classy like my parents have burberry trench coats from like back in the day mm. they never wear them they're like super old school like full length um, yeah like hopefully one day Bit i'll inherit 80s. that from my mum but like they they were decked out like I remember it was like a really Mm. really classy brand and obviously then it went 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 sour for a little bit but like even then when it was on its sort of soaring um soaring path up all the Mm. Christmas adverts were like really classy weren't they it was all about the trench it was all about like a nice like wool coat and like a really beautiful perfect human in the advert and Mm. that was kind of like this prestigious thing Mm. so to go from that and like cruise Beckham and like all these people who were just like beautiful in their adverts and don't Mm. get me wrong these people are still beautiful Mm. but it's really cool
0: like it's
1: really really cool I don't even know how they did the special effects like it is so lifelike with the ice falling with like the dancing with the clothes looking really cool, layering yeah, all the, the layering outerwear. Is really good. Yeah, yeah. I just like.
0: Yeah, and you know what? We were shitting on um Ricardo T. sheet for a while, being like, yeah. oh, what, the, what the fuck is
1: Yeah, <laughs> so like, the, the, like maybe the show just didn't show it off properly.
0: Mm. But you know how it is. There's always, there's the runway show, and then there's all those other bits which aren't necessarily yeah. in the shows, but in exactly. the stores. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And that's what this is. And I think that, um, you talk about it being like this British label, really significant one, and it is really like the most well-known british label out there internationally known not saying that you know they there's other ones that don't exist but it's the most famous one
1: yeah and british fashion brand you think burberry Burberry, yeah. yeah and
0: i think what that video does and what these other images from the campaigns do is show a more honest more wide widely known version of britain mm. because outside of the uk i think there's a very much a perception that like you know how it's like americans think brits all brits are really posh yeah but really in europe britain is known as like it's like the chaviest country in europe yeah. do you know what i mean like well i think, think a, a, bit a like, lot of
1: people's perception is that we all live in london Mm. we all sort of live this sort of mayfair sort of Not chelsea hell, like yeah, yeah lifestyle and that's a really small percentage of the population yeah yeah most people who live in london like n- aren't raised that way like it's... most
0: people who live in london live in streets like that video yeah or yeah. shop in places that look exactly like the scene we saw in that video and i think it's exporting a more realistic view of what Britain is like and not only can see this is their conundrum because when you when you get to if you're like a fancy luxury brand that's you know charging hundreds and thousands for clothing there comes a time when you want to be like seen as accessible but you don't want to be too accessible because then everyone has your stuff
1: or alienate the people who don't want you to be accessible which is actually really topical for what what our main topic is today and mm. um, but yeah um I'll, we'll post the burberry campaign and some of the pictures of the marcus rashford stuff um on our instagram because yeah. um yeah it's really cool and people should check it out yep definitely awesome well so um my fashion story is yep. that prince charles okay has just released a clothing line
0: is it a clothing line are you talking about youth?
1: Yeah, it's a collaboration, but the headlines go that he's launched a clothing line. <laughs>
0: you know what? You know what? I will say this. I'm not a defender of the Royal family, but I've always had a little bit of a soft spot. I know. Spot for Charles. like Charlie. <laughs> and and you know what it is? I I think recently I've come to understand what I like about him. It's very superficial, okay? But I've always thought he's had like... A good sense of style.
1: Yeah, he's he's a really <laughs> he smart always, dressing man. He's always
0: wearing a double-breasted blazer. Love a double-breasted blazer. And he's always got a pinky ring. And I love a man with a pinky ring. I really do. I think it, like, elevates your style in a really, like, simple way. And I realised, I was like, that is why I like Prince Charles. <laughs>
1: oh, my God.
0: So this makes sense to
1: me. Well, I have a lot of, like, more context, I guess, for him as well Mm -hmm. in all the sort of documentaries I've watched. And I think that he was kind of at the end-ish. Obviously, loads of stuff's happened with the royal family recently. Mm -hmm. But he was kind of, I guess, the last generation of that tough love. Like, I know it still exists somewhat. yeah, But, like, he was part of a generation where, like, the queen would have gone away for a month and the way she would have greeted her son was with a handshake like mm. emotion was not something that they showed to one another even his parents are
0: old school and especially yeah. his father as well yeah
1: and like you don't tell somebody well done you don't tell somebody like i'm proud of you, you and he because he's a future king hmm he got told what to do. He wasn't allowed to do what he wanted to do. So like, for instance, he was studying in Cambridge. Mm. Um, and then because they wanted to give him the Moncler, is that the right way of saying it? I don't know. The, the that title, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Prince of Wales, they made him go live in Wales for a few yes. months to learn Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was against like his wishes. Mm. Um, and like obviously, yes, there's like he's got an important role. But like imagine just you have no choice. Mm. Like, I don't like it when like when my parents used to tell me to tidy my room. Like mm. and he's been told he's got to go learn another language because he's gonna be this title and whether he likes it or not,
0: mm. it's
1: not it's not an easy thing. But I dig I digress. Um, yeah, he's launched a collection with Ukes, um at net a mm. And his quote is, I have always believed in the buy-once, buy-well philosophy. Which mm. I guess is true, especially if you're the royal family, you can't be having a shopping spree. And also, he's can we also add, he's in great shape. So I bet his suits have lasted him really well. Mm. Like for an older gentleman, he does not got a belly. Or anything. A belly. Mm. Yeah. So yeah very interesting a very unusual yep. collaboration yeah i don't know how many people look i don't know like some people don't like the royal family and some people love the royal family but like i don't actually know anybody who would go out and buy something because prince charles has his name to it i think i think foreigners would more than brits yeah
0: that could very well be I think I think it's a really good experiment to be mm. honest. And I think it kind of makes sense. I think it's also about um encouraging British production and design, is it not? Is it something it's kind of like an initiative to some extent? But I don't know. Is the line called The Prince of Wales?
1: What's it called? I don't I actually don't know, probably. Um because I can
0: see okay, you remember a few years ago when that film came out and it was called like oh god what was it called and they were all like really well dressed it's not the huntsman they were really like well-dressed spies or something yeah yeah
1: yeah the the huntsman yeah and um it was something yeah yeah yeah. they
0: had a line and a store in Savile Row and they would sell all these like yeah kind of old school suits you know like almost like east end gangster type Mm. you know Suit and i could kind of see whoever bought into that would find but this is this something. is women's
1: clothing as
0: what? well it's what sh- does oh as well it's got yeah. men's though
1: the, the model that i'm looking at in the photo mm. is is wearing women's clothing as in I like can, the dummy yeah
0: i can still
1: it's a double breasted suit oh it looks very much like his in the photo <laughs> Um okay. yeah um yeah it's a mixed it's um I guess potentially it's unisex. I can
0: see that there's gonna be a market and I think especially maybe like the Asian market. Yeah. That would like to buy into They love
1: British Royal Family, like mm. more than we do.
0: <laughs> and it's not like the stuff is really old fashioned.
1: No, no, like the stuff like the stuff is decent. Mm. Um but yeah, I also think and I'm not the biggest lover of Prince Charles but like I just also have a lot of like I I don't really have a thought either re- way really mm. um like in the I know that people got split with the Prince Charles Diana thing and mm. what side they were on but like I see it from both sides that they just both weren't happy full stop yeah um but he's very like he's very forward thinking charles he okay. has been talking about climate change since like the 90s and championing it and no one wanted to listen then and we're now like finally taking notice of climate change. Mm. He's very like I think he's very forward thinking so I wouldn't mind betting that this is like a really inspired sort of decision he's made. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And you know what he's been waiting a very long time
1: Dude, to become
0: king. Can
1: you imagine? <laughs> Like, can he's been on the imagine? longest
0: internship like, ever i don't
1: know if this is <laughs> blasphemy or like i'm gonna go to the tower of london for saying this you mean treason that's the one treason <laughs> um but dude imagine the queen sad day when the queen dies of course
0: mm. like what is if- his mum
1: what mm. if what if prince charles literally dies like the following year or like you know like oh he dies really soon after like he's waited this long and like come on their health is tip top but it would be like a sods law thing he's waited all this time he's in his 70s mm. and like what if he just gets like four years in it and then he's gone
0: <laughs> yeah i think he's just trying to live his best life right now and yeah
1: I think he's I think he takes his role as the Prince of Wales really seriously he's um, done such great things for charity with the prince's trust and stuff yeah um yeah, yeah it's got to be a weird thing that like your entire life has been preparing you for something that like you're seventy years old and you yeah. still haven't got the job
0: yeah, <laughs> and to some extent you must be thinking what's the point of even starting yeah. something big yeah. if i won't be able to continue it like I would want to yeah so um yeah. Anyway, I'm going to definitely look up some more of those pictures because I've seen the story headlines, but I haven't actually delved into what the collection looks like. But yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of um. Isn't there like Prince of Wales Tartan and all that? Isn't that a thing?
1: Uh, that is a thing um they're basically like a sort of checked suit that Mm. they in the like launch picture that I've seen there's sort of a checked suit for a women which is a double-breasted and wide leg trousers which looks Mm. really nice actually I can see a jumpsuit a navy jumpsuit that sort of um looks like a bit like it's got um lapels so it looks very smart um and then men's I've got there's a nice cardi Mm-hmm. Um, a nice little rust red colour cardi, um, a very nice camel coat um, and a, a cream polo neck, sort of roll neck, thick knit jumper. Yeah, lovely stuff. We'll share it on the yeah. on the Insta. Brilliant. we interrupt this broadcast to remind you go follow us on Instagram Pod. shoot us an email peak at gmail.com find us on YouTube find us on Twitter we've got all the links on our Instagram you know what to do
0: So let's jump into this week's topic, which I think is a really interesting one. I think it'd be nice to do more kind of like brand deep dives.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, For sure. Like as we were talking about Burberry, I was like, it'd be really cool to talk about Burberry's fashion, like fashion story and its trajectory. Yeah. Wow, I butchered that. trajectory.
0: (laughs) So this week we're going to be focusing on Bottega Veneta mm-hmm. and I think this is a brilliant one to start off with. My friend Elizabeth, shout out to Liz, um, hey. suggested this uh, topic to discuss and the reason why I think it's so good is because Bottega Veneta has shot to kind of the headlines. It's always been Instagram there. Instagram
1: fame. Instagram
0: like, fame. Yeah. Exactly. But it's been around for a fame, long time. Millennial fame, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, even though it's been around for decades. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and been well-loved and had like a really loyal customer base mm, for that time.
0: Exactly. And it's now that us lay people, <laughs> us broke lay people, are seeing and appreciating the brand for the first time. Lots of people buying into the brand for the first time. And
1: it's really, um, it's making waves. Yes. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but really what launched them, I think it was maybe two years ago now, mm. is, is the clutch bag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, again, all photos will be on our social media, you mm-hmm. know where. Yeah. Um, but this bag basically sold out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful clutch. Yeah, it but is. But, like, it's also not a revolutionary clutch, but I think the thing that people love about Bottega, mm-hmm. and it's definitely something that I actually really like in mm-hmm. a brand, is you, I don't want to be a walking billboard for a company, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so they create logoless products, yeah. and that should theoretically be instantly recognisable as Bottega which is what this clutch is. It's like mm-hmm. such a beautiful leather. It's pleated really nicely in the shape of it. It's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, it
0: comes in a number of sizes, but yeah, yeah it is but like the quite famous big for a clutch. popular
1: size is like really big. Um, but yeah, it's sold out and it sort of created waves. And it like every platform, like I remember when I was doing some research for work last year, we went into the store and again, having to pretend that we're browsing, but really mm. we're like snooping. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the wait list for this bag was crazy. Mm. Yeah, and it was so- unprecedented. They like, it was like, obviously they've been around for a while, but like, they couldn't have predicted it. None of their products did this ever.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you're right in pointing out that the pouch, very soft leather very relaxed shape pouch clutch thing was really their standout piece and that was driven by the fact that in 2018 Daniel Lee became their creative designer Mm -hmm. or creative director director sorry creative director and that ushered in this new era of what we call new Bottega Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I think you would probably agree with me that this was happening at a time where Celine, the creative director of Celine had left Mm -hmm. and she had ushered in this period of like cool minimalism. Yeah. But it was also like really wearable pieces and she just had a cult following. So when, um, for life of me, cannot remember, (laughs) But the old YSL creative director became creative director of Celine and the kind of look completely changed and Celine wasn't what it was, like, loved yeah. for. But Tega Veneta and Daniel Lee kind of quickly moved into that space of being sleek, minimalist, modern mm-hmm. designs. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. Uh, Daniel Lee, just to let you know, is from Bradford. Hedford boy. Love it. Yeah. Um, heading up this really big Italian luxury brand. And you've you've touched on social media, and that's really how many of us know about it. Bottega veneta is
1: we've seen all our influencers. We've seen every
0: every influencer <laughs> with the let's just list off some of the products that we've probably seen. So we've got the pouch bag. Yeah, then we've the, got those
1: those square toe mules. Yeah, those m- that are like e- toe potentially mules. woven. And I'm telling you now, ego fashion not to drag them has like a thousand versions of them. Every website yeah. does, but I just see this ego fashion like sponsored <laughs> post on Instagram like daily.
0: Yeah, so those are called the Lido sandals. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the much beloved stretch mesh sandals with the chain around the ankle yeah. they're also squared toe those are the ones that were like what the fuck is this like how am I supposed to wear it <laughs> <laughs> I always think your toe will just like move through the front of the shoe. I don't know but influencers manage yeah. to pull it off um then we've got the padded cassette bag mm-hmm. you know the square one with that famous Bottega weaving which so is the called- we-
1: which and the weaving is like Consistent throughout, like a lot of these styles now, it's just been yeah. applied. And yeah, it's a very, and they they do weaving like to the extreme. Like it's really thick, wide, mm. or really thin. Mm. They have just like done any weaving you can imagine.
0: Yeah, exactly. So th- the weaving is actually like super important when it comes to Bottega Veneta. That is their signature.
1: It's almost like their um, monogram.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's their monogram. They don't use, as you know, you've mentioned, they don't have logos on the outside of the bag. It's only on the inside where you'll see it's Bottega Veneta. Mm -hmm. So those who know, know that the weaving is like a nod to, this is Bottega Veneta. And Daniel Lee has... They've they've had it on purses, bags, everything. And I think for the longest time it was more of like a thinner style. So Daniel yeah. Lee has taken that weaving and made it like jumbo size almost. And it's made it's 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 made their products into a more like modern version of what they've kind of always done, don't you think?
1: Yeah, completely. It's definitely updated it. And like you said, it's gone from like this really like skinny, sleek um weaving and just like added that modern touch like hang on okay yes that's your staple but like let's update that a bit like how you know like Burberry updates its monogram and like all of that stuff Mm. and like Louis Vuitton plays on theirs and tries to update it and you change your logo and change your font of maybe the logo to create a new a new um pattern and all of that stuff Mm. that's just I think he's come in and injected a real freshness um that I don't even think the company thought it needed. It was doing fine. But like I think the figures are that like despite lockdown and despite coronavirus, mm. it's figures, it's just on the up. Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the most sought after thing. Um, and like these clutches are expensive. This is a this is a pricey, yeah, very, like, very high quality leather brand. Like I remember them when I was talking to the guy in the shop. He was, and this is again, we always explain this, but I think it's really important for people to know when you're buying luxury, you don't just pay for the bag, you're paying for an experience. And mm. this guy in the shop knew like the process of the leathers, yeah. how it's like drummed, all of it. Like he knew it and mm-hmm. he was so knowledgeable on all of it. And he was just really, you could tell he was really excited to be working for the brand and kind mm. of really happy on its trad- uh
0: trajectory. Yeah, I'll say the word for you. You can okay. say
1: that word for me. Yeah. <laughs> um it's like suddenly saliva just enters my mouth when I want to say that word. It's like all my tongue gets in the way. Nice. Thanks for um, sharing. you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> but yeah, so it's basically it's just the quality is up there with the likes of a Celine, like in my opinion anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is such quality leather, the designs and it's all like italy just really beautiful made Mm -hmm. products Mm -hmm. and it's kind of really exciting that they've joined the leagues um and like and yes there's like knockoffs everywhere and the square toe is now something you are like behold on everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah i guess one of the main things we wanted to talk about in relation to them was Mm -hmm. their mission statement was very much minimal We don't really do loads of marketing or branding. Mm -hmm. We have a loyal customer base and our designs speak for themselves. But Mm -hmm. with this newfound fame, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're trying to negotiate how they can be both, how they can appeal to the influencer and newfound appreciation, but also not alienate the people who are the reason they're still here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a good time to probably start on a bit of the history of Bottega Veneta to kind of give a bit of context of what they were like as a brand, what they were doing, mm-hmm. and and then talk about, as you were saying, like, what's next for them and how do they negotiate their new f- – not their newfound fame, I don't want to say that, but their new hype yeah, and their new popularity and can they juggle – both its reputation and its newfound fame, basically. But in terms of its history, so it was started in 1966 by Michele uh, Tadai and Renzo Rengiaro. Please don't come at me with pronunciation. But (laughs) yeah, so those two. And I think Bottega Veneta actually means Venetian shop. Really basic name. yeah. So yeah, it started in the 60s. And as Scarlett's mentioned, had a really loyal fan base. It was understated, but really luxurious. Like you've talked about craftsmanship and that's what they were about. I think Jackie Onassis used to wear their bags Mm. and their stuff. And then through the 90s and 2000s, I think the brand had a bit of a stagnation. Not to say that they weren't making money, but it was just like, Todding along sort of thing. And in 2001, the brand um, brought on Thomas Mayer, who was enlisted to kind of revive it and perk up the brand a bit. And this is the time when Bottega Veneta was a luxury brand, but he made it into like top tier. Mm -hmm. And you've spoken about price already. Like Bottega Veneta's pouch is like a 3,000 pound bag. This is not like I compare it to Gucci in that they're owned by the same company at the moment, and Gucci is just coming out of its like mega popularity phase. Mm-hmm. Their most popular bag, the Dionysus, is like one thousand seven hundred pounds. Still mm-hmm. a lot of money, but it's not like Bottega Veneta is there with like in terms of pricing, like the dual, the dual bags, mm-hmm. you know, like three thousand, four thousand pounds, and so. It was during that period of the 2000s. Or sorry, I should say from 2001 onwards that Thomas was like trying to make it into a more substantially recognised or appreciated brand. And it was in that period when he was at the helm of um, the creative direction that they started making 1 billion euros annually.
1: So this is like a lot of money. And also um, like to be sort of on the... To be on the down low and be turn- yes. having that kind of like money, mm. like turnover is wild. Yeah, because it, it w- its not—it was not a household name.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So it, they were making a lot of money and they that that says something about their customer base people it are also buying says they
1: they finally acknowledge like their positioning in the market correctly mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Ma- that's one of the hardest things for a brand to do and yeah. that's why we see brands constantly change that's why mulberry suddenly like upped their prices it's why gucci i think has slowly but surely tried to kind of lower their prices because mm. they know like younger people um are uh, kind of um, wanting to buy category, into it yeah that they mm. appeal to and positioning yeah. positioning's so important because like you have sort of there's a snobbery in luxury fashion yeah there really is a yeah. like um yeah I think that's a really cool thing that they they've kind of readjusted their position and that helped them go for it to exactly. be a stronger brand
0: And I think also at that time, which probably helped them is they became a bit more international, like opening up more stores. Mm. That always helps a brand. You kind of have to make that push to grab those customers. You can't wait on those customers to start buying into your brand to then set up stores sometimes. Does that make sense?
1: And also Um, the 90s was occupied. Like the 90s was just all about like, there was a movement in the 90s. mm, You know, it was like, it was mm -hmm. Calvin Klein. It was like, there was a very specific like brands that were hot or not. Mm-hmm. And it must've been a really hard time to ride that wave if you weren't one of the hot brands.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, in the 2000s, they started doing really well. And I, I found a quote and I thought it was really good. He was, in regards to them not putting logos on the outside of their bag, Thomas said that when your own initials are enough, you don't need a like a, a need for Brands and logos on the outside of your stuff, which just Dude, like that's cool. It is pretty cool, isn't it? It's basically like we're talking about like some old school wealth here. We're talking about old money, not like new money sort of thing. And um, yeah, so then he was let go uh, only a few years ago. He spent like 17 years at the brand. Wow. But let go by Caring, who is the umbrella group. And they wanted to find someone who could, again, Inject some new life into the brand. So that's where we find ourselves now with Daniel Lee. And um, so yeah, I think that as you were saying, the stuff is now like playing on what they've always done, but made it fresher. I don't think that they're interested as a brand on, they're trying to be trendless maybe. Mm -hmm. I think that's what kind of strikes me. And I think like when we talk about modernizing the brand, what I was what I've noticed is that like the pouch bag, it's it's a shape that we've seen before, probably made with nicer materials and in like really cool colors, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But that gold chain that goes with it really plays into like a lot of gold layering jewelry, that jewelry kind of trend mm-hmm. that we're seeing, and the gold thin gold chain that used to go around the ankles of those mesh square toed sandals those kind of touches are playing into accessories design that we're seeing now yeah so I think that that is a huge part of their popularity at the moment but we'd have to talk about social media to talk about where we see them kind of heading in the near future
1: yeah and I mean it's a really I say this like, I'm like a broken record. Mm. But hype isn't always a great thing. Like, I think I, yeah. I mentioned in a previous episode that, like, LK Bennett, for example, mm. really struggled with the hype of Kate Middleton's shoes, uh. like, taking off. And I've, I think it was also the lady who designed, like, her engagement dress. And she suddenly had so many orders that she couldn't handle it. And so then had to adjust her business to cater for it. Cause of course you want to ride that wave. yeah. Like which one of us wouldn't want to ride that wave. But at some point that wave dies and then you've scaled up your company to something that was just a hype. And so a really difficult thing for any fashion company to negotiate is catering to this hype. Mm. Um, but, I think that also the, the waitlist thing, it's very amaze that they yeah. have for their styles. And actually we've talked about this before, that like I definitely think that's a very great way of managing production. Um, yeah, and you... These- like for these like really high level companies like imagine so it retails for three thousand pounds and we mm. talked before about how people destroy bags because mm. if this is a bag that is always on demand but like that color for whatever instance hasn't sold or like whatever it is you're not going to want to like put that on a discount mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's when things get destroyed so like to obviously prevent stuff like that happening the waitlist culture, I think, is really cool, and also, it builds more demand. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. You mentioned briefly about how um, even during coronavirus, Bottega Veneta's growth and sales have been doing really well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like the same with-
1: even. If you took coronavirus away, those set figures would be good.
0: Yeah, exactly. When you <laughs> mention Hermes now, basically in Q3, so reported in October, Bottega Veneta had 21% growth mm. and Hermes had 7% growth. And these wow. are brands that are more expensive than your YSL or your mm-hmm. Saint Laurent, as it's called, um, your Gucci's and
1: that do all of that yeah yeah
0: exactly um these are like really expensive top tier brands and they are probably i wouldn't be surprised if they're like outperforming the other ones you know the cheaper brands yeah so i think this the the price of it is not deterring anyone and maybe that is how they negotiate hype in that you stay expensive and you stay limited
1: yeah, which I, th- I think, like, I personally, if I were to ever have a fashion label, I think mm. that's the kind of thing I would do. Um, is limit like almost everything is limited, and you know, uh, mm. that's the, that kind of creates, especially when you stand for quality, because it's really easy to get swept away. And we've mentioned before, and we all know I'm the biggest Chanel fan, so I'm not like digging them out, but <laughs> um. Their quality has fallen over the years, mm. and so if you stand for craftsmanship, like the only way to maintain that is to not just produce endless amounts of stuff. Um, like you yep. know, like there's beautiful videos of how Hermes, like the Kelly, is just all done by hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like there's literally not a machine in. Well, there are serious machine inside, but like it's stitched by hand. Yeah, yeah. So like. And you're never going to be able to mass produce that Mm -hmm. because you could have a thousand workers, but like you can still only do however many. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, I think with the Instagram nation, um, oh my gosh, sorry, my computer wants me to restart. No, Mm. sorry. Um, With the Instagram nation, it's a really, really difficult one because... It also obviously inspires loads of copies because we're seeing it everywhere. Mm. And also, like, now we like now we know about it. We lay people, like you said, we know about it. Mm. So, like, we want it too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's
1: that thing of, like, so how do they manage the fact that then suddenly that's such a huge platform? And, like, and all celebrities, like, you know, like, not A-list celebrities, they're not they're not immune to the waitlist like the people I follow are like glad when they c- become number one on the waitlist and get it mm. like it's it's seriously like in demand and it's now become almost like a statement isn't it if you've managed to get your hands yeah on one of these products yeah it's like a trophy it is like uh like I don't know it shows like some form of success or like status
0: yeah and i think that i want to go back to comparing it with gucci for the reason that gucci did the social media thing really well and it blew up everyone bought something gucci i have gucci stuff like
1: gucci speed yeah they they were killing it like for the longest time
0: yeah gucci is the best performing brand of the caring umbrella group and i mean like The thing is with that, is that A, it's a lower price point, which I've mentioned before, but when you bought um, Gucci, which was not hard to come by, and you bought it, everyone on the street knew that it was Gucci. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, their their sales are diminishing a bit, but that's natural. That's going to happen. Not everyone can be top dog forever. Um, They're still making money. Don't worry about Gucci. Um, (laughs) But you it's so much more obvious on the street that Gucci may be oversaturating the market Mm -hmm. a bit with Bottega Veneta moving forward as they become more popular and do well and selling more bags and whatever you still kind of got to be in the know and be like I see you over there with your pouch Mm -hmm. I see you over there with your your woven sandals. I see, like. You've got to know that that is Bottega Veneta, and like, give that person a nod. And like, it's not going to appear visually on the streets or to the layperson that this brand is everywhere. And I think when you talk about exclusivity, you want it. You want what you've bought to be seemingly exclusive, even so if it's definitely, not. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so I think that that's why maybe they might have a really long run still of being top dog.
1: Yeah, and like it, I think the perfect example that you were like um alluding to is the lack of logo means that like someone who's not openly bothered about fashion walks down the street they see some double Cs they see the Dior logo they see mm. Burberry t- like the Burberry plaid they see mm-hmm. the Gucci monogram canvas they then mm. see like a Louis Vuitton Neverfull mm-hmm. they see or like whatever it is um then they see and um, like the Gucci G on like another bag they see like a C and D elsewhere like they see all these like the YSL like all of that stuff you can see on all these bags yeah like you'll be like gosh there's a lot of like you it will stand out there's a lot of like one if you're endlessly seeing it and like at the moment like the big thing is Gucci or like you even if it's not the same bag you're still seeing that Louis Vuitton like logo everywhere like the monogram canvas but when it's not got a logo and it's not even really got hardware other than like obviously chains and stuff like that but like nothing where you'd go gosh, I keep seeing that bag. Yeah. yeah. It And because there's so many colors and, and it is still exclusive. Mm, yes, they've is. had a lot of sales, but it's still exclusive. Yeah. Um. And it's
0: still very understated just in general.
1: And also like, I guess theoretically there's copies and stuff, but like, it's not something where you're like, oh my God, like everybody's got that bag. Like, oh, I'm not going to get it now. Cause yep. like my main thing, like, I'm not, I'm not on money bags, but like I keep, I've really been lusting after Gucci stuff because mm-hmm. the hype worked on me. And I was mm. like, damn, like there's so many cool things, but I kind of like part of me h- was holding off wanting to even like try and save up for it because I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. The fad will die. Yeah, And then it's that thing of, do you then really want to wear it? And am I buying it just because there's a fad? And it's that important thing of like how many people have the Gucci double G belt. And you kind of see people being like, Oh, you bought into that and you were like part of that hype too. Yeah. And there's an association. And I think that the good thing that comes with that logo is no one's going to be like, Oh, you're part of the Bottega hype. Because also that it's, there's like a, a whole part of Bottega that's, Not included in the hype,
0: if Mm, you know what I mean. mm -hmm, Yeah, exactly. Um, um,
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's going to really help them.
0: Yeah, and off the back of that, like, I am definitely not the sort of person to be like, "Oh, I don't want to buy it because because it's like old or everyone has it." Like, I'm a big believer in if you want something and you genuinely like it, and you like it because it fits your style, Mm -hmm. and it's something that you're going to use don't buy something for hype, but also don't not buy something because it's too yeah. popular. Like yeah. buy what you love. You genuinely love and understand what suits you. I, I think you should. And still, even if something is not fashionable, quote unquote fashionable anymore, but you still love it. I think you should still wear it. Yeah. So, but having said that things with a very distinctive pattern or logo, I think, or a very distinctive look. For example, Gucci was all about maximalism and it was all about being very bold Mm. and I loved it and I thought it was great and it took the brand in a completely different direction. But the more fussy something is, the quicker it can age, I think. So it's very obvious that when we just look at what's being released now, it's obvious that the Dionysus bag, it's like their most, I think it's probably their best performing bag, Mm -hmm. is a few years old. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Still wear it, still love your bag. But I think with the cassette bag or Bottega Vanessa or the pouch bag that they have, in 10 years time, it's still gonna have a place in your wardrobe,
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: think. And I think that's like what, what might give it longevity
1: yeah definitely because like you said like we've we've just ridden a wave and I think it's starting to like come towards a little bit of the end of it like I'm I'm a big believer that trends isn't really a thing but hypes Mm -hmm. hypes are at the moment Mm -hmm, and also mm -hmm. like Instagram makes things take off but like the most like the 90s revival of canvas monogram on all brands has been like Mm -hmm. a really big thing like Mm -hmm. Dior helped kick it back off with like all of their bags just coming in the embroidered like embroidered variations like the saddlebag Mm -hmm. all of that stuff like they reignited all this sort of 90s style stuff and, like, that's not to say it's not nice and people shouldn't stop wearing it mm. in 10 years' time. Because also the thing about fashion is, like, that hope will come back in 10 years, like, yeah. most likely. But, like you said, like, you can really put an age on those bags. Yeah. Even if, like, some of them have been designed, like, maybe last year. But, like, it's inspired by the 90s. So they look like – and they want them to look like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But these are kind of like timeless. And yes, of course, we'll associate them, I'm sure, with this time. But they are very timeless. Like, because Mm. there's no hardware, you know, like there was a wave of rose gold a few years back. Mm. And every company like added rose gold to their hardware list for a little while. Mm. And there's nothing that's really age defining, which is actually like, like what a cool brand they are. Mmm. Like, they have no logo. I
0: think some of their shoes will age, though. Some of their oh, shoes I, th- th- I think
1: I think the square toe is a thing. It's a time, it's a movement. Yeah. But for, to have a handbag that, like, for sure, you pick up the camera bag or the pouch clutch in 20 years' time, mm-hmm. you're still going to look chic. Mm. And, like, no one's going to be like, isn't that like old um it's just gonna be you know I think it I think they've done some really really cool branding and um design stuff
0: that actually like kind of pinged an idea in my head of like what would be Bottega's downfall what is it doing now that maybe means it won't be popular in a few years can it continue the way it it has been for the past year and I mean although classic and timeless their other weaved leather pieces like the wallets and the bags and everything like that for a while the brand was seen as like an old person's brand Mm
1: -hmm. yeah like woven leathers not being like it's quite granny it's quite old-fashioned. Yeah. Fashioned. yeah. Um, but, you know, that was before, you know, we could easily, like, a, like print on stuff, you know? like Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, like, the only way to make something a little bit more interesting or... Mm. Actually, you saying that, I wonder, because there's so many few factors that go into i'm gonna say the bags in particular for now because shoes are different shoes you you can update them with different fabrics are much like much easier for it to be different looking mm. or change the shape of it ever so slightly um, but like for the clutch because there's no hardware it's only leather that they could all like what they make it out of that can keep it exciting Mm. so are we in five ten years time gonna be like yeah we get it like it's just a plain leather bag Mm. or there's this it's going to be harder for them to be as inventive with updating it but maybe they don't need to and all of that stuff but it will be harder because there's fewer components involved like with the weave after a while like you've kind of done the modern update of the weave so like and there's only so many ways you can weave
0: you think people just get bored of
1: it potentially i think but i also i think that's hype i think that's hype Mm, i think mm -hmm. they they're smashing it now and in a few years people will have either bought it Mm -hmm. and so they're not going to be buying into it again or Mm. will be sort of over it a little bit but i think it might be harder they'll have to be much more innovative on how they update these classics
0: yeah and i think what From someone who's outside of like Their customer base (laughs) Simply because I just do not Earn enough to be like A Bottega shopper like every week Going in and buying something new Um, But as someone who appreciates It from the outside I would think that this New era of Bottega Daniel Lee's version hasn't Necessarily alienated Their core customer base Um I think that if I was someone in my sixties, seventies, and had been buying from them for a very long time, I think that there's still a lot of stuff that I would still be interested in buying.
1: Yeah, I think they'll just lose their their Instagram millennial followers, yeah. you know, and sometimes- which isn't necessarily a bad thing because that will help the brand have another hype down the line.
0: Yeah, yeah, and sometimes. Um, maybe these older shoppers or more loyal customers kind of appreciate that there's like a newfound appreciation for what they love as well. I don't know. Mm. Hmm. Interesting point. But yeah, what do you think is next for Bottega?
1: I think they'll have an interesting update Um, or scale up or down like some of these classics mm. um but yeah i also i just think because they're not they're not a prisoner to to um logos mm-hmm. i just think that they they're quite lucky that they can just find some really interesting materials or, shapes, um, or shapes yeah like just a new clutch in a totally different shape or like make it super tiny or like an even like bigger style or add a handle like I don't know yeah I I think they might play around with that kind of a thing but I also wouldn't mind betting that they just kind of leave it as it is like somewhat yeah um I mean that won't be what's like their chief merchandise officer will be saying they'll be like no let's do some more iterations like let's like monopolize on this but yeah um, definitely I think they'll just continue on a on a pl- path a bit like Celine where they'll find another bag. You know, like when Celine did that three pouch bag that was literally just like three essentially like very, very basic like pouches
0: mm.
1: just with a single zip that like basically connected together like and then could so you could wear it as one, two or three pouches. And it was like the most simple basic bag, but really nicely made, obviously. I think they'll they'll find a similar thing to that. I think they'll um
0: I think they will you're right in saying that what I hear from what you're saying is they're just gonna continue be that old celine mm-hmm. and dominate that part of the style market. Yeah. That really no one else is doing. I mean, you've got like Zara. <laughs> But, but that's because it's of copying like,
1: like selena yeah. bottega
0: yeah but um other than like kind of places high street places where you might be able to find some like simple stuff like that if you're into buying luxe and it being fashion forward mm-hmm. then i think they're gonna be your go-to they're probably i would hazard a guess they're gonna probably push more ready to wear mmm Not because I think people are going to buy the ready-to-wear. I went on their website and they had a shirt going for 15,000 euros. I know, I know. And they had a dress going for like 30,000 and it was not even couture. It was just, it was, yeah, it was.
1: Was it bedazzled?
0: It sure was.
1: Okay, good. At least there's a reason. Um,
0: (laughs) It was like lime green bedazzled. It was cool. But um, anyway, I think that the ready-to-wear is going to be a way to frame their bags in a new light yeah so they're gonna have the pouch for years to come they're gonna have the cassette bag for years to come they're gonna have all this stuff for years to come and to still pique your interest and be like this is how you can style it this season they're gonna come out with more ready to wear for you to see it on the runway together with new pieces but i mean they're ready to wear is not going to be like um what is going to drive sales i mean at the moment i think leather goods count for 85 percent of their revenue so that
1: tends to be the case for most brands
0: exactly Um,
1: and then the weird thing is like the emphasis will be though on the ready-to-wear for all brands because that is just like obviously the core of fashion
0: Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: yeah and like you said it does it's almost that the shows and the ready-to-wear collections are done to drive the brand as a whole the look how you style it how you could be a walking billboard
0: (laughs) yeah i mean they do have this really amazing lime green fringe skirt have you seen it with that long cardigan Check it out. It's cool. It's really, it's not the most practical, but is the pouch practical? Not really. But yeah. So anyway, my kind of final question for you is, Mm -hmm. if and what would you buy from Bottega?
1: I think potentially the pouch, the Mm. slouchy pouch, only because I genuinely think... I wouldn't get that large size because well, that's not me more like what well, I'm going to have my, my lipstick and car just swimming around in there. Um, and yeah. cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't be chic enough to take that as like a work bag. Um, I carry too much crap around to do that. And <laughs> um, I just think it's a really beautiful product and it's something that like you could just use forever for more and pass down to people and, and it yeah. just be a really nice bag to have yeah I think it would be that or like not even the cassette camera bag but just like they've got like a nice like boho like shopper Mm. that's just like woven maybe just something a bit like that where like it's just really cool and to be a bit difficult and not get like one of the hero products but be like yeah yeah I've got Bottega um yeah because like their products are just so nice like they're just so nice and classy how about you
0: I would also go for the pouch
1: mm.
0: and I mean it just shows the hype has worked on. That. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it has.
0: Um I really feel like it's giving me collector's item vibes. Yeah.
1: Um, oh f- for sure, I think it 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 very well could join the ranks of this like is an investment and it's gonna increase in value. Yeah
0: i think i think it could yeah same i think that if they focused on keeping it really premium really exclusive they could be so we'll never get our hands on it they could be like the ms's of the world there's no reason why they couldn't yeah um i mean they've already got like this um i think school in italy which is um, focused on preserving the craftsmanship of that leather weaving and stuff Mm -hmm. and if they focus on that sort of thing and continue to make really sleek products um, just like Hermes they have these like hero pieces that come in so many different variations Mm -hmm. but it's the same shape and there's And they're really expensive and hard to come by. There's no reason why Bottega Veneta can't continue on that same path and find that that is their that's their niche. Um, But yeah, I would get the pouch. I
1: we can we can have a pouch outing. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, I would, and I would treat it as a collector's gift. It to someone on my deathbed. I don't know.
1: You don't know how important this was one time. Yeah,
0: back in 2020 when the world was crumbling.
1: This was the most valuable thing you could own.
0: (laughs) Um, If the market crashes enough, I might trade it for like bread or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord help us. But yeah, that's all I've got on Bottega and hype culture. For this particular brand at this particular time, you got anything else to add?
1: I think we've covered it.
0: Mm. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening, guys, for another week. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're going to post all these pictures and stuff, so you can you can actually vote on what we should do. A little yeah. bit of a poll: what Bottega Veneta item, and vote on kind of thoughts on where you think this brand is going. Um, but in either case, have a good week, guys. I've been them.
1: And I've been Scarlett.
0: See you next week. Bye.